I spent four hours on Hero Forge learning how to do a thing. At some point, I texted Jack, and I was like, this, this is fucking work at this point, and I'm sick of it, but here's what I got. It came out cool. Uh, it looks pretty cool. What took four hours to learn in Hero Forge? Uh, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> Are you a subscriber? Do you have all the bonus features? I do. Oh, that could be it. Well, and also, <laughs> between the posing and the coloring, I probably burnt an hour and a half on that. I do that in video games too. Like there's like a Street Fighter Six demo. I spent more time creating the character than I did playing the actual demo. <laughs> I'm just like, this is ridiculous, but. Hello and welcome to Roll for Inspiration. I'm your host Jake, and my guests for this episode are three of my own D&D table friends and fellow players, Reese, Russell, and Spencer. Reese is a seasoned GM, storyteller, and writer. Russell isn't on the social medias, but I can tell you he's a blast at the table and he keeps us all on our toes. Spencer Smith is an artificer of sound. His guitar solo will melt your face. And he's also a veteran dungeon master. Thankfully, they were willing to be my crash test dummies for the podcast. I wanted this episode to be the last in the season to see how different the other episodes are from my original idea. So make sure you check the notes for their links, except for Russell, who doesn't have any. And let's jump into the session. Anyway, so this is the podcast. We're just going to talk like that. I don't know if I'm going to edit all of that stuff, if you guys want it in or not. But this, yeah, we're just talking character creation and then... Uh, see what you guys came up with uh so the audience knows that uh you guys rolled dice and i gave you a race class and age um but before we get into that part of the podcast uh let's first i guess introduce everybody uh starting with reese i'm reese i am the non-musically talented member of the group that rides off my wife's coattails but he is talented and his character is very musical. Yeah, in our in our oh. Lost and Found campaign, he yes. makes up for all my creative deficiencies. And Russell, want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Russell. And if you're trying to find me on my socials, you won't be able to because I don't have them. If you'd like to follow me, you can come to Santa Clarita, California. <laughs> and just follow me around and see what I do day to day. Or not, because that's creepy. Or not. <laughs> I'm creative in different ways, but I'm not musically talented either. Hope you guys enjoy me. And <laughs> Spencer. Someone out wedding night. Someone out there, I'm going to enjoy following. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Santa Clarita, I'm coming. <laughs> and Spencer, would you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Spencer. I play guitar and I do music stuff a lot. I write songs uh, inspired by D&D content and Critical Role, and I could spend the next hour plugging those, and I won't. 
we'll do that at the end. So sure. we saved an hour totally, just for that at the end of the podcast. Totally drop them in the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, characters dying words in the one shot. <laughs> ah, stream sapphire daggers. <laughs> ah. <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So I start off every podcast by just uh, reminding everybody why I started the podcast, and um, that's because I joined a group of people who apparently found this kid who was frozen in ice like a hundred years ago, and somehow that kid can wield the power of air, water, earth, and fire. So we've been so preoccupied with saving the world and helping this kid master all four elements that I I and us haven't had time to talk about TTRPGs and D&D, so, so I started this podcast. So thank you for being on it, because Aang and Katara just don't want to talk to me about dice, and it's irritating. So, Very relatable story. Appreciate you. Yeah, you have no idea. So, uh, first thing that I would like to talk about, and just bring it up um, on my previous podcast, which Spencer was a guest on, I talked about like what was the first thing, first character, or the first game you ever played. But I think what probably would resonate better than like oh like you know, ten years ago I played as like this dwarf or like you know I was a tabaxi or whatever. Um, I'm curious as to what was the like spark or like the initial moment that like hooked each one of you to be like I either have to play this game. Or if you were playing the game, you're like, this is this is my jam for the rest of my life. And it's it's kind of like an open round table. So whoever wants to jump in first, but we're just talking D and D in general, right? D and D or TPR, uh, TTRPGs, probably more D and D because that's what we do. But yeah, just like tabletop role playing games. Of what got us started? Yeah, I, I'll start. I sucked at it, and that's that's what got me hooked. Is I I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to play. There was a lot of rules, and I just didn't know them. <clears throat> and uh, I didn't know how to be an, a character or act like someone else. And I just got pissed about it. And uh, I enjoyed being good at things. And so I just decided I was hooked on it because I wanted to uh, be better at it. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was like all the imagination stuff and all the uh basically the a spinoff of all like the video games and uh stories and storytelling aspect like as a kid growing up that would happen and so that was super interesting but i just was like how do i do this like how there's so much non-rules that i don't know how to like be open in freedom and he needed more structure and I didn't know the structure he had to read the entire book and so I was like I don't know how to do this and again I sucked at it and so I was like alright cool I'm gonna get better at this do you want to go Spencer? sure um, I started playing in like 6th grade at a, like a games club in my, in my grade school uh, and kind of the, the hook for me was I was coming from a place of uh, video game RPGs, so I played a lot of Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger and a lot of, a lot of JRPGs specifically. And so when this, uh, this idea of a fantasy role-playing game where we were all at a table with pen and paper and uh, yeah, there are rules, but like the limitations of what you can and can't do are 
so broken down compared to JRPGs. There's you know, JRP if if you want to do a thing in a video game, it has to be programmed into that video game, uh, or otherwise be a weird exploit in the video game. If you want to do a thing in a D and D game, it's like get the okay from the DM and make a roll to do the thing. And that uh, that that was appealing to me, and that was that was kind of the initial hook, and you know, started playing with friends. That's cool. That's grew out of from there. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't count the times that you're like, why can't my character just jump over this fence or climb this fence? Or <laughs> like, there's obviously I can see that's the next room I'm supposed to go into, and there's a big window. Why can't I just walk in the window? But like, I've seen my character jump sixty feet in the air to do a big <laughs> fighting animation. What is the reason that it can't just go and hop over this, this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like eighty feet in the air above the fence, but yeah, you can't go. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like, yeah, if you're in the game, the DM's like, uh uh-huh. roll a f- higher than 15 and you can get over that fence. Yeah. And then your friend is like, I'll give them the help action. And you're like, okay, well, now you have an advantage. Yeah. So. Uh, so back in high school, my best friend and I, we played a lot of 3.5. Um, and when I left for college and then I eventually moved to Tennessee and met Miriam and when I came home, my old best friend and I reconnected. And we actually met a group of other local people um, off Destiny 1, ironically, because the local matchmaking like put us with people in our area. Um, so we kind of formed this little cohesive group of my old best friend from high school and these new buddies that we were hanging out with. And it was kind of a way for Miriam and I to interact with that group um, and engage in our nerdiness and creative storytelling, um, the things that we really enjoyed, and also engage them. And so um, we held that friend group together for quite a while, uh, but it just kind of became ingrained in um, the Miriam and I-ness of the situation since we were we did a long-running campaign in pathfinder and we did a long-running campaign in 5e and so like miriam and i in the course of our marriage just kind of adopted DD as one of these kind of cornerstones of activities that we engaged with um and that's i introduced her to critical role on a long drive and that kind of stuck with us and then so when that friend group kind of fell apart it's, we were both kind of jonesing to get back into the space, and uh, and that's how we we wound up in the Lost and Found. Very cool. I mean, a large part of that's was like, yeah, kept me going with it too, because you're like, uh, like movies and video games and everything. There's just like the programmed or scripted story that is being told, <clears throat> and it's just so fun to be like, you really don't know what story will get told. You really don't know what will happen session to session and you can you can just kind of do it. As so you, you you could just your imagination's pretty much the limitation. And, and being able to do that with other people is is the fantastic part about it, I think. And there's you look at a lot of <clears throat> this is maybe a little off topic, but you look at a lot of the people who are trouble players within like tabletop RPGs. And it's because they're so used to I am the hero 
I am the main player. And that's how they imagine these games, these fantasies. That's how most video games are structured. Even movies are mostly structured. You have the main character. Um, and yet it's so beautiful and a lot of fun to be like, it's just such a different storytelling aspect where everyone is the main character. Everyone is is playing together. And so there isn't just one person who can do everything. And I imagine that's why like a lot of video games for like a Dungeons Dragons video game is really tough to figure out and make, even though they've like figured it out now. Because there's not one player. Like Dragon Age is awesome. But like, yeah, there's one Inquisitor. You can't really play a campaign with other people if one person is the savior of the world. <laughs> and so you have to learn how to get along with others. You have to learn how to play cooperatively. I think coming from sports, that was like a super fun part of it because it was like, oh yeah, I get to play with other people. Everyone plays their role. And if everyone plays their role, it's beautiful and everything works together and no one's the main person. It's a team. It's a it's a unit and camaraderie of how do we tell a story together? How do we play together? How do we take on this monster that's definitely going to kill us together uh, is always a lot of fun. <clears throat> yeah. I kind of wonder... Uh... You saying that with video games, I have a lot of friends that are really into Final Fantasy fourteen. And that just seems like a game where it's like everybody does have a role to play. And uh even though like I I only done like a little bit, like when they had like the like sign up for like a free demo of it or whatever. Um, but even then, like the little bit that I play, they're like I saw in chat when you're just playing with random people, they're like, Pull back, I got it, and jump in, you got it, and then like I think one time I like because I didn't know how to play. I just ran like straight in, and they're like, "Oh no!" And then like I got blown up, but they're like, "He did it! He ate the like explosion like a champ! You did it, buddy!" And I'm like, "Yeah." So like, I'm like, "Okay." I'm wondering if that's like another thing about that game that like folks love that it has that team aspect and everybody has a role and stuff. Um, very cool, 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 cool. My next question uh, is: Is there a favorite system or game i know kind of like D, but um if you do have it what is it about the game that does keep you back coming back aside from the team aspect of it and some of the stuff we've already mentioned uh so for me system is very much should be tailored to like what style of game you're playing like i wouldn't i i love D fifth edition uh, and even to certain degrees, I loved 3.5, less so now with context, but you know. Um, so like, I wouldn't try to run a superhero game with with 5th edition just because it's, it's not built for that and it doesn't support that well. Um, that said, if I had to like, agnostic of any kind of uh, style of game, I really like the Savage Worlds system. It's it's really, yeah. uh, really versatile, extremely unique. I love the exploding dice. I like the fact that you do get to use uh, all the dice except the the d twenty. Um, but yeah, that's from a mechanical standpoint. I really like Savage Worlds and and Fifth Edition, honestly. That's cool. Yeah, I played Deadlands with it. And that felt interesting because it's like you had to get the Savage World stuff and then the Deadlands stuff. 
But yeah. once it clicked, like at first it seemed like, oh, like, am I going to remember what dice to do? But then, yeah, once it clicks, you're like, okay, now we can just keep going with it, which is like pretty fun. And then, yeah, when you get the exploding dice, that's such a fun dice. time. You're like, I roll this, oh, six, do another six, oh, another six. And you're like freaking out. Yeah, it's so great. Oh, I just uppercutted that bad guy into the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of powers when, when dice just won't stop exploding. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. I don't know if I can answer this question well because I haven't really played any... I haven't played many systems long. Or, or many... I haven't played a large variety of systems for very long. So I've only like tried a few other ones. <clears throat> and I don't know if I can answer like really well from a, uh, a good perspective if that makes sense I just I think for me one thing I figured out for me at least I really like rules I'd like to know I, I, I had a, a friend who kind of gave the gave an analogy like this he's like I like to know where the fence is so I can run as fast as I want within those boundaries and so for me I've realized that I just I really enjoy knowing the rules <clears throat> so I know what can I do within this within this practice? What can I do within the scope, and how can I utilize that as best as possible? So any system I feel like I've ever played, um, it's just enjoyable for me to actually know how to play. Because I think that's the <clears throat> one of the hardest things is like you can play with a lot of other people. You'll if they don't know what they can do, they also don't know what they can't do. And so it's really disappointing when you're like, oh, I want to do this. And then they're like, well, the rules say this. And you're like, oh, dang it. And for the most part, that there's definitely instances. And again, most of uh, it's whatever the DM says goes and stuff. But for the most part, there's a, there's a reason a rule is in place it, to balance things out. But that's why there's so many other systems out there works really well because find the system, find the rule base that you enjoy the most. Do you want a stricter rule base? Do you want a more loose rule base? And I, I know a lot of people that probably want a really loose rule base, but they're like, they end up being the people who are like main character syndrome, and it's just because they don't want to be told, no, I'm not awesome. But then they make everyone else feel like crap and don't realize it. So, someone like that in a very free, open, like, rule-based system won't work really well. And then, so you, like, D&D, &D, where it's just like, D&D &D and the Human Pathfinder, like, there's a lot of rules. And if you're someone who doesn't want to learn a lot of rules, like, probably find something else. Find something that doesn't have the rules. Find something that you don't you don't need to know all that stuff to figure out how to play, because there are tons of systems out there. So you, as a player, prefer, like, crunchier systems, where, where things are more well-defined rather than, like, rather than, like, like strictly like narrative rule sets do you think i don't i don't know and that, that's why i said i don't think i have a great perspective because i've played a couple things that are just like no rules and i love that i love just like making crap up and just like just going with it but if you're with a great group of people right if you're with the right people any system works oh yeah and so like i've had really good groups of people for certain things like Jake, that um, the for the queen, yeah, game we played. It's like there's not really rules in that. Yeah, I didn't I even really know what was happening, that. but it was great. It was a fun time. Yeah, I love that. And then I have a friend who just like loves Warhammer, 
and we started he started showing me like how to play Warhammer and I was like this system is a lot but I loved it I was like man this is I could just okay I'll shoot his arm <laughs> like I love that that's super fun so I think it just depends I, I just like to know what I'm doing when you sit there and you don't know what you're doing it's tough because then you're just guessing what you can and can't do I do like crunchy um I love I love OG Pathfinder because I loved 3.5. Um, I loved being able to take a character and do very granular, weird things to make it exactly what I wanted. And that's the one problem I have with 5e um, is like your Battlemaster fighter is going to be your Battlemaster fighter. It's kind of up to you to flavor it. Whereas Pathfinder gave you like, okay, you can have this or this or this. And so you had a little bit more ability to get in there and kind of like make your own sausage instead of just kind of getting whatever the, the PHB gave you. Um, so I do like those crunchier systems. I'd, I'd love to try Pathfinder 2 out at some point because I think it would be amazing. But uh, yeah, I, I do like the crunchier in the character creation aspect of it just to really maximize that character as your own now, now reese is that a, a phrase of your own or did you get that from somewhere else because i think i'm going to start using that more often which would i say get in there and make your own sausage yeah i'm gonna start, I'm gonna start using that more unless unless it's you just get no no that's you gotta get in there and make your own sausage dude make your own sausage yeah, I'm going to start using that at work. Okay. See if I get in trouble. <laughs> but I would like, and all of us probably had a little bit of this, you know, back in the MMO boon where World of Warcraft and all these games, I remember somebody describing EverQuest to me for the first time and talking about, like, how you could make your own character and how much that appealed to me as somebody who was really interested in RP and played a lot of RP video games. So that's why I think I tend to like those more granular character creation systems a little bit better because it kind of taps back into that like, this is mine. I put my thumbprint on it, I built it, I did the thing, so. Very cool. So let's get into uh, storytelling and character creation. Um, I kind of have like a list of stuff, so I'm just gonna throw some stuff out there, see what what you want to talk about. But so when you're building your character, um, especially since yeah, we're talking about the crunchiness and and stuff like that. Um, out of these three, kind of like where where do you start from? Do you start from like the story driven aspect, the numbers, um, even the difference between a one shot and a campaign, which I feel like. Probably not, since Spencer has like three short stories, a novel, and <laughs> a graphic novel coming out for his character. <laughs> but uh, yeah, where do where I do you what start? I found is that like I build on a continuum, where at one end of the continuum is RP, and on the other end of the continuum is mechanics, and the character creation idea can start at either end of the continuum. Um, so if I've got a mechanical idea that I really like, I build the mechanics out of it. And then as I'm building the mechanics, the RP starts to build in my head. 
Yeah, or if I come up with an RP idea, then I'm working on the mechanics to facilitate that RP idea. So like Latigo, my character in our campaign, was a purely mechanical creation at first, because um, I knew I wanted to use a whip shield fighter in a battle master, and then it was like, as I built him the ideas, as I like added the items or added the backgrounds or added the feet choices, started to inform the RP decisions that would come in that character. So Latigo definitely started on this end of the spectrum. So, cool. I think I do something pretty similar where I, where I'm, I'm, if you, if you put the spectrum there, like between mechanics and RP, I'll almost always start at mechanics, especially with uh, 5e, just because I want to pick uh, a subclass or a thing that I've never done before. So uh, the first thing I did is I, I picked out the subclass. And then I was like, all right, now how do I make this make sense? So I kind of like, I was like going back and forth between the, the different sides and like chiseling out, uh, chiseling out both alternating like that. So I'd go back and forth. As he shows us his notes, Reese, Reese holds up a paper with his flow chart. <laughs> sorry, I was I don't muted. Know what that yeah, sorry. It's, but so I took how old, pizza. That's just old ideas. Like things that I had like put in the vault previously, but then the next one is exactly what you said, Spencer, things that I have not done yet. And so that was kind of where I worked down on like, since we had the racing class established, okay, what are the old ideas that I can tap into that I had like in the stable? And then from there, what are the things I haven't been able to do in 5e yet that I wanted to do? That's kind of where it, that's cool. And then it also said like pepperoni, veggies, stuffed crust, mushrooms. Yeah, so mushroom. many mushrooms. <laughs> cool, cool. Pineapple. Pineapple. Uh, I, I like pineapple on pizza. Good man. I feel like things have changed a lot uh, <clears throat> for how I like to make characters. I think the, the main thing that I has been consistent across the board always, and we've we've talked about this. It's like a, I really want. I want to feel important. I want everyone else to feel important. I want, I want to find a role, a strength within the group that isn't there. Like, like I want to do something that other people aren't, if that makes sense. And that way, other people who have things they're doing, they get to feel special with that. Like, it would really suck if I decided to take the... Um, observant feet in our campaign because then it's like that's Kolvatosh's thing you know like you want to let people have their thing and I, th I think a lot of times when I'm looking at if it's a class or a mechanic or, or some type of numbers aspect of it it's like what is there not and I would like to do that do you not have a spellcaster I would like to be the spellcaster I'd like to have an identity within the group and I think that goes back to sports. It's like, what's your what's your position? What's your role? Are you a defensive lineman? Are you a linebacker? Are you free safety? Are you def defensive back? Where are you? Play your role. Let other people play their role. And if you do that, it works out really well. Uh, I, I used to I used to start typically. I would just find an image, like a very visual. So I would find like a picture, and then I would go, oh, okay, that I'd like that. What class would that be? 
would their voice sound like? What story kind of would be around that? And I think I started a lot on that. I might I might have had a vague idea, kind of like you were saying, uh, Reese, where there's like a spectrum of like story mechanics. Might have had an idea where like, ooh, I'd really like to play a monk, or I'd really like to play a druid, or I'd really like to play a barbarian. And then trying to find an image that matched the idea, and then building the story off of what I saw. I think it's, what... No, but Well, I really appreciate that, because like, I have never created a character off an image. I find, I find, I found out really early on, again, because of how I said, like, I just wasn't good at it. I didn't know how to separate or play or act, essentially. I've never had acting lessons. I've never learned that aspect. And I started playing D&D around the time I started binging, studying communication strategies and how to, like, uh, communicate well. Because uh, it was never a strength of mine growing up. So it all played hand in hand, which was really interesting, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. Um, what, did you, what did you say? Was it like building from an image? Yeah, 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 I don't know. I was going with the communication <laughs> thing on that. Um, but I did. Uh, okay, now I remember. I, I can't play a character in my voice, I have figured out. I don't know how to, like, be in someone else's shoes unless I change my voice somehow is something I realized. And so, like, I've had a lot of fun, like, being like, okay, how do I... What would that person sound like? And the image helps me a lot because I'll, I'll look at an image and be like, okay, they would sound like this and I can make something up from there. And then I'd stick with it. Um, and then one thing that I think has happened recently uh, with a lot of characters is I, I've gone into trying to start with, I might have a vague idea, I might have an image, or I might class or mechanic. What story am I trying to tell? And, I, and for one-shots, that does I mean, you can do it, but you gotta be good at short-term stuff. I love long-term. I love telling a long story and then getting there slowly. And I, I've tried to start developing characters uh, by saying, what story do I want to tell? And not even, because I'm not even playing like in front of like an audience, but like, what story do I want to tell with or to these other players I'm playing with? And I found that helps a lot with like decision making and uh, what stats will I take? What class levels will I take? Um, how my character's outfits change, stuff like that along the way. Um, because it's what it, what story do I want to tell? Do I want to tell a, the hero that fell and I was rising again? Do I want to talk about the boy becoming a man? Like, it, like what what do I want to do? Um, and I I feel like even like niches are fine to stick with in that, especially if you like haven't told tons of them before. That's cool. That does bring up a point is making a character for a one-shot versus making a character for a long-running campaign. Mm-hmm. Because you said you do different things for that. I also do different things for that. Reese? No, not at all. No? <laughs> no. Like, Fovel's a campaign-ready character. Aatrox is a campaign-ready character. This okay. guy's going to be a campaign-ready character. If anything, if there's any change in mentality, it's I'm test-driving mechanics or story elements to see how they would fit in a long-running campaign. Like, that's Aatrox, which I know isn't going to mean anything to anybody who listens to this podcast, <laughs> but 
Aatrox was just about blowing up big numbers, and it was like, oh, this fucking sucks, guys. It sucked to play. I can't imagine how it was being like waiting for me to like, oh, okay, and I got this, and I got this, and I got I this. was just excited to see the number go higher. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty exciting. I'm like, how much damage can he do? This is a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was playing a like healing support cleric. I was just like, I can help make the number bigger. Let's do that. <laughs> but I so it was neat to see like these giant numbers. But like mechanically, I didn't have Aatrox was fun. I enjoyed, especially once I kind of ditched the serious tone and kind of embraced like the the memeness of it. Um, but it was nice to know like, oh, I don't want. I don't want to ever play somebody who like has an attack and then has a tack on and attack on and attack on and attack on because then by then you're just like my turn's gone too long. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I'm adding 14 things up in one round of combat. Everybody's waiting on me. Um, so really if anything, that's my that. menta- that's my mentality on one shot versus campaign is like mm-hmm. this character I throw out tonight. I guess I'm a little bit more liberated to try to like do some unique stuff because if it fails it's like eh fuck it you know like Mm -hmm. it's not like he's sticking around for long but like (laughs) but like Foval to me is one of my favorite characters I've ever played and I gotta play him one night Mm. and he's he's in the stable and the minute I get to try to break Foval back out I'm going to break Foval back out or uh, Bastion Bastion was another that had been in the stable for years and years it was like, oh, I finally got an opportunity to flex him a little bit. Um, yeah, so I like, guess that would be the only difference. I like, I it's like test driving for me on a one shot. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like one shots to me feel like, okay, I have this idea, let's test it. I have his voice, let's test it. Like I, I play like Levin in our campaign. I, I, it was like a combination of like five other characters I probably did in a one shot once and I was like you know I really like this part of it but I didn't like this part of it so how can I how can I do this this personality I actually really liked but I but I really like this class and this story was actually really fun and then I just played the witcher so what am I going to do now with that like <laughs> and it's all together <laughs> Guy who makes his last character based on the last piece of media he consumed. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of that for me. Like, I'll watch a movie and I'm like, that would make a great story. Okay. When can I start a campaign? Because by the time by the time I watch something else, I'll have a different character in mind. <laughs> yeah. I remember when what was it last season The Witcher came out? You, I think we, you had just got off of watching it, and you still kind of had the like, I'm Henry Cavill. Guy. Oh no, that's not how Eleven sounds. <laughs> like, yeah, having to find your voice again because you're yeah. So yeah, I, I, when we started that campaign, I had just finished playing The Witcher Three, and like playing all <laughs> of it. So yeah, there, there's a bit of that when I decided on that character, where I was like, yeah, I want to play The Witcher somehow, but I want to not play The Witcher, but play The Witcher. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us to uh, tonight's little one-shot we're going to run. Um, talking about how you build your characters and stuff like that. Let's actually talk about the characters you build. Because I had you you guys DM me uh, 2D6. And I took that 2D6 into this like weird, like I'm pretty sure, odd somebody built website. 
that bootlegged all the character races and everything in it. Uh, subclasses, everything. There was like fallen ASMRs and everything else. And I was like, I don't know if everybody has his own locked in D&D Beyond or has access to it. So I'll just go with the base thing. So you guys rolled and then I click the thing like six times or depending on what you guys rolled. And uh, I message you back like, oh, you are this race, uh, this class and this age. Build it up however you want to level 10. So uh, who did you guys build? I'll let you guys, whoever wants to go first. I guess I I, I can start with just what what Jake gave us and then go from there. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Do that and then tell us us everything about your character. And how you built them. You're ready, Spencer. Go. I don't have to do it, which is what you got. All right, uh, I rolled a pretty high number in my two d six. I don't know how the how how it was uh, generated, but I did get a ninety five year old half elfin warlock. Uh, which, uh, no lie, Jake, when you sent me that, uh, I had an NPC I built for a campaign a long time ago who was a half elfin warlock that I was like, I could just make this one. I could make this guy again. Uh, so I almost brought to the campaign Evendal LaRue, the greatest con man who ever lived, and I did not do that. Um, because I've because I've played a fey-packed warlock before, so when I was like, alright, so the warlock is interesting because there is inherently some story baked into the warlock and, like, cleric, because you gotta pick a, an entity. And so I went with the genie because it's shiny and new and I had never done it before. So I've got a pact of the genie war- warlock named uh, Lyric Donovan and we'll be uh, figuring out exactly what he sounds like in the moment. Oh, you don't even know what he sounds like yet? No, I do not. <laughs> I wrote four pages of backstory and did not do a voice. <laughs> nice. Um, so like like I said previously, I, I started with that base mechanic and then I kind of went back and forth between like, all right, so he's a half elf. So he's either got he's he's got elven and probably human parentage in his in his ancestry. And he made a pact with a genie. Now, how do I explain that? Um, so that's when I started coming up with story in my head. And then that in uh, uh, that in turn did not actually inspire that much mechanics. So I just I kind of made decisions that I felt like would be fun to play mechanically. Um, and yeah, and then I wrote it, then I wrote down the story. A lot of it has to, it tra- draws, but draws, I try to bring like all of the elements in as much, as much as I can and tie them together. So like the fact that he is a half elf ties into the fact that he is a warlock ties into the, um, uh, ties into his genie pact and how it, how it got there. Um, so mechanically, all the decisions were made for what I thought would be uh, fun. But that said, I did make them as though this character would be in a long-term campaign. So I wrote all the backstory with lots of loose ends. I put a villain in there. I put a, I put a few NPCs in there that a DM could draw on. And that's... That's how I do it. Cool, cool. I don't know if you have any more specific questions you want me to answer. I do have a specific question. Uh, One of the questions I asked uh, was, 
does your character have a rival, um, somebody pursuing them, or a fear? Uh, yes, uh, kind of. Uh, to no one specifically pursuing them in the backstory I wrote for him. He is the pursuer. Um, uh, as for a fear, uh, I wrote into his backstory completely irrelevant of his uh, mechanics. Is a fear of undead and necromancy, which is the kind of fear a DM loves to see because there are so many of those monsters in the game. Awesome. Uh, Russell, why don't you go next? This one's a stretch for me. Not gonna lie. I got a 46-year-old female tiefling sorcerer. And it is stretching like several different ways. One, I've, I don't think I could play a long-term female character. I have nothing against women. I've loved my wife and I like women. I just, I, I don't know if I can do it. Anyway, I'm going to do it tonight, so we're going to get a kick out of whatever that is. Um, and Sorcerer has become the most boring class for me, so I've just found a lot of bore out of sorcery, so this will be great. And I got pissed um, because apparently anyone that plays a tiefling nowadays is apparently just trying to make a sex demon. And you either find... <laughs> A, you either have like a young 13 year old who's bones and sticks and then you have their, or you have someone with their boobs hanging out or you have both together. And it's a good like, thing you're not on Twitter because you just pissed off the entirety of D&D Twitter. I know. I have, I have actually... Somewhere Rochelle just screamed. <laughs> yes. From, from this experience, I have decided I never want to play a tiefling because there is no non-sexy tiefling. So I have uh, I don't have art to go off of. I just talked about how I start with an image and I go. I am just straight trying to, from the Nugan, uh, figure this one out. So I'm playing uh, Lady Cheryline. Uh, Lady Cheryline is um, a red tiefling. Uh, kind of has the horns that spiral up. She has extremely broad shoulders. She's maybe 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and roughly 200, 220 pounds. Uh, there is you, there is no cleavage hanging out, and so all of you, Boo. not a teenager, <laughs> I'm doing everything that tieflings aren't on all the Pinterest images. Um, <clears throat> has like a a big gown uh, that's like mostly pink with like white and gold trim. Uh, it kind of hangs like a poncho. Not gonna lie, where it's just like she looks like she's just a brick, but it's like shoulders down to like an upside down triangle. So like. Uh, a lot more uh, shoulder width, a little bit more of a gut. Uh, like body mass index is way off the charts, and yet, uh, like body fat percentage is probably like verging on healthy. So, because she's got a lot of muscle, uh, jewelry up the wazoo. Some of it fake, some of it real. You wouldn't even know the difference between the two. Uh, high high collar right we're not showing anything high collar and then like the neck has like four golden rings on it like it's just like a big like ring 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 like up the neck um tons of earrings uh um what else is there it's not a sexy tiefling i don't understand look I'm trying to redefine. Still made her hunt. Still made her hunt. Calvin Klein for the night's over. Yeah. 
This uh, Lady Sherilyn is the the type of individual who like tells everyone they're the life of the party and everyone loves them and that everyone knows when they come in and just adores them. But then behind their back, like everyone's like, she's really annoying. I mean, she's a lot of fun to be around, but in small, small doses, type A personality type thing, you know, and but it's like everyone, she thinks everyone loves their laugh. Everyone hates their laugh. Uh, it is not a good laugh whatsoever. Uh, background I created is Lady Sherilyn was a merchant at one time, right? So was a merchant for a long time. Mostly honest work, mostly honest uh, dealings. Um, and kind of varied the trade based off of the demand. Um, uh, but, you know, one day that ended very abruptly. Uh, for reasons, and uh, she found out that uh, adventuring uh, made a lot more money anyway, and so uh, later in life uh, decided to become this adventure after um, we touch on the rival question that you have, <clears throat> Jake. Uh, Lady Sherilyn, uh had a business partner that she was a merchant with. Uh, Lady Sherilyn, uh ended up stealing something from... Uh, said merchant uh, the relationship we had very sour uh, afterwards but that's actually how she ended up getting her sorcery powers it was a uh, artifact covered in ruins that uh, bestowed her magical abilities on her and that's when she decided to stop being a merchant uh, she has been running from uh, Derek ever since but um, <clears throat> fucking Derek Derek Derek's the name of all the rivals I've ever made it's a fun <laughs> Fun name to say. It's angry. like the cabbage salesman of the. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> just a, it's just a fun name to say angrily. Derek. I don't even know any Derek. Derek. You no, were. I, <laughs> I was honestly. I was. I was like. I'm gonna have to explain this, and I don't even actually know any Derek's. I know like two Derek's, but they were like friends of friends. So I was like, I don't even know. So you know, there's probably somewhere if I talk to a psychologist about some Derek in my life. Um, but but I, from what I know, not really. Um, yeah, so that's that's Lady Sherilyn. Uh, um, I decided to go with the uh, Exandria sorcery class, the uh, Ruin Child. Um, I've been really interested to try some of those out, so I'm going to go with the Ruin Child Sorcerer. Um, and uh, if we're talking game mechanics for fun, I decided to take a two-level dip into Paladin uh, as well. Nice. Mm -hmm. How about you, Reese? Who is coming <clears throat> To the one shot. Uh, I made Invar. Invar is a hobgoblin ranger. Um, and talking about things I have not got to do yet in 5e, he is a Drake Warden. Um, Invar's story seed that I came up with was I've always wanted to play like a reformed gladiator. Um, and so with the Drake Warden, the kind of idea concept I came up with was Invar was tasked with fighting this baby Drake in his pursuit to becoming a greater gladiator. You know, he was fighting monsters and, and mobs. And uh, in the course of seeing this baby Drake, he was like, no, I can't. I can't fight this. So the night before the match, he stole the baby Drake skipped out on his gladiatorial contract and hit the road with the baby Drake in tow and 
for the last 10 plus years, they've been living and bonding and uh, becoming quite the fighting unit. Invar is a very rough 43, so he's middle-aged, um, but he's built like a brick shit house. I don't tend to play strength characters. Invar is strength to the max. So, um, he's just got this very protective streak over his Drake Vinny. Um, and there's a couple other things that I haven't got to really do in 5e that he touches on. Um, never got to play a, a true dedicated dual wielder. So he's going to be the first kind of dip into dual wielder that I've ever messed with. Um, Drake Warden just looks like a hoot. I picked some flavor. He's got Gift of the Chromatic Dragon because I like this idea of like as they the teamwork, they kind of like have kind of fused into one entity. So I like the idea of him being able to draw on draconic powers to do things via his relationship with Vinny. And uh, yeah, I think he's a he's a neat little guy. He looks somewhere between like I kind of picture the rock. Like he's just his proportions don't seem to make sense, but he's like older. Um, very, very strong. Nice. And a hobgoblin? A hobgoblin, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, funny enough, when I hit the what's it called? I just re-rolled it because I got originally a tabaxi uh, rogue for you, and I was like, is this just like alternate dimension Latigo? Tabaxi rogue. So I rolled like I did like the random click again for what you rolled on the dice and then Hobgoblin came out and I was like, ooh, because that's one of the ones I wanted to play was Hobgoblin, but that one shot never happened. So <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm interested. So who are your maybe rivals, people out to get him or fear? Oh, uh, so there's two primary camps. There's one he skipped out on his gladiatorial contract. So the person who owned that contract is after um, retribution. And then um, he obviously stole the Drake. So there's another party who is interested in coming after the Drake to re-procure it away from him. Cool, cool, cool. Well, with that, um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a one shot. So see you in a little bit, listeners. I'm going to eat this pizza. Yeah, eat the pizza. (laughs) I'll just play the I'll play the intermission music. Yeah. Copyright strike. Yeah, I'm leaving this all in. <laughs> all right, I'll be back to you. <laughs> Make your own sausage. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't pause the recording yet because I'm leaving this in. <laughs> <laughs> right, Why do we tell stories? Let's try to make sense of a world that can be terrifying and enormous. It's Wednesday, and unfortunately, there is no D&D tonight. So, with it being the middle of the week, having work tomorrow, you decide to binge a show. You turn on your TV, and you see the giant list of streaming services. Some you're subscribed to, some you're not some you never even heard before, and somehow they're all fighting for your attention. The pop of Netflix rings in your ear, and you're like, ah, maybe. 
You kind of remember the Amazon one from watching all the Vox Machina stuff, but you don't remember what their sounds like. And then there's Tubi. Why is Tubi here? Why are you like this, Tubi? But there's a new one that catches your eye. Roll for inspiration. So you pick it, and there's 10 different shows that you can choose from. And you even notice that some of your uh, favorite TTRPG friends are on those other shows. So you decide, why not? If this sucks, I could always just start One Piece like Jake keeps telling me to. So the screen, you hit, you click on the one that says the Dragon Horde. And then you hear the Roll for Inspiration jingle, much like the Netflix one. The screen stays dark as you hear the sounds of someone running and breathing hard. You hear this person slam into a wooden um, door or something wooden. And then it slams again and slams again. And then on the third slam, the door opens and there's light now. As you see that the camera is actually inside a dark room the whole time. And there's the doorway with light shining in and a silhouette of a man. He runs in, slams the door, you can hear him breathing, it's dark again. You hear him stumbling over things, glass breaking. Um, he even like, he curses a little bit as he probably like hits his shin on something. And then he kind of like collapses and tries to hide in a corner or something. And you hear him breathing. And just as his breath and breathing comes to steady, the room erupts in light candles torches everything that was in the room bright and all of a sudden there's a cut the camera cuts to a close-up on his face of a middle-aged human man stubble on his face and his eyes filled with dread take it i wasn't gonna keep it i swear i wasn't you have to understand it was just too good of an offer to pass up i'm sorry i'm sorry how was i supposed to know it was yours i would says another voice Hush now, my darling. In the end, you took something that was not yours, gifted, found, or otherwise. Now be a good lad and tell me where the others are. The camera closes up on the man's eyes. As you can make out an unfocused body reflecting in, in the iris as the person that was speaking to them. And you can kind of tell they're wearing dark clothing, but it's about all you can tell from the image in the eye and the man sniffles they're, they're at the murky sign good very good says a voice the man's eyes begin to reflect a glowing purple light until the whole room is illuminated and bright and a loud thunderous sound lets off but at the same time the camera cuts to outside as at the same time as this thunder strikes, it mixes in with the sound of a crow fluttering off. And from there, we follow the crow as it starts flying through the village. Um, it's a beautiful late afternoon. It's about the last hour or so of sunshine just before the skies start to turn a deep orange. As a crow flies over cobblestone roads, there are sounds of bards busking on a street corner, the smells of savory and sweet from the different food shops that are in the air, the town folks bargaining at a market, uh, children playing and laughing as guards are like, hey, keep it moving, kids, you ain't supposed to be playing it. So then the crow flies and lands on a perch uh, that was made specifically for her in the patio area of a tavern called The Murky Sign. And then out walks a male orc who's tall, muscular, bald, with a little pencil 
uh, mustache, wearing a common dress shirt with sleeves rolled up to his forearms, dark trousers and boots. The bar towel over his left shoulder and a black waistband on, a uh, black apron on. Um, and then he's, oh, there she is. Hello, my pretty. Well, let me get you something to eat. And the orc turns and heads back into the tavern. And as he does, the camera sneaks on up over his right shoulder, follows him into the tavern. As he does, it kind of pans while kind of sticking to his shoulder and shows you that the tavern's full tonight. Uh, it's not a big tavern, but the seats that they do have are full. Uh, conversation is going on, drinking, a little bard in the corner just plucking on his lute. And uh, you follow him as he goes to the bar. As he gets to the bar, the camera kind of like, he stops and sees there's a patron there. The camera kind of like hovers down over his arm and hovers just above his hand as he taps. I'm so sorry, Governor. I'll, I'll be right with you. Uh, I know you and your friends want to get a drink. Pick whatever you want. It's on the house for me keeping you waiting. I just have to feed my friend real quick. And the camera kind of stays on the bar where his hand moves. Camera slowly pans up and uh, reveals um, Reese, your character, and Var. And since you already gave your kind of like description, what I'm going to need from you is kind of like a Guy Ritchie, uh, Quentin Tarantino cut of a montage of like maybe three scenes that led Envar to where he is now. Yeah, so quick swipe. Envar's sitting there at the table. He gets up, he walks to the bar. Somebody spills a drink on him. He's got an eye patch. He flicks the eye patch up and wipes the drink out from underneath the eye patch. And it's a like an acid green dragon's eye. He flips the eye patch down real quick. And he walks up to the bar. Dream mates. Yeah, so he would have just kind of been this strangly gangly youth. And um, in the course of him becoming a fighter, I feel like it was like his only course of uh, survival. Um, he he uses two primary like farm implements. He's got an old woodcutter's axe and an old like splitting maul mallet and those are hanging at his belt and they're weather worn and so like the the scene would be him growing in relation to these big weapons so like when he's young he couldn't even lift the both of them and as he matures and goes into the gladiatorial arena and then as he uh, escapes in the scenes with him and Vinny running he grows old and weathered and stronger until he's there in the bar, um, looking very imposing. With his three ales in his hand, um, as he turns around, heads back to the table, sits down, passes out the drinks, and uh, we see the camera pans to uh, Lyric as he grabs his cup, and then uh, we have a a montage for Lyric. So what would that look like, Spencer? Uh, Lyric grabs the cup and puts down the lute he was just tuning, um, leans it up against the chair. Thanks much. Uh, we see uh, a white back to very, very young Lyric, like maybe a teenager in a modest uh, middle-income home with a aging uh, human mother uh, coughing a little bit and an elven father 
eternally trapped in his 20s. Uh, the father appears concerned, uh, carries a spell book under his, under his shoulder, uh, hand from that to the, uh, the three of them in a massive palace, uh, th- through the windows outside, you can see no land, just sky, uh, standing before a tall, uh, woman, blue skinned with four arms dressed very opulently, uh, the father uh, makes a wish and is whisked off to nowhere. Uh, the mother looks down at, at uh, young Lyric and says, uh, we live here now. Very fast montage aging Lyric into his uh, into his into his 30s. Uh, li- still living in this opulent palace uh, when there's a attack uh, undead roam through the castle and uh, he finds his now lich father engaged in combat with this genie uh, who has done the better part to raise him over the course of the last 30 years or so he uh, he makes his own wish finds himself bound to the to the genie but uh, cannot find his mother when the, in the moment of distraction uh, his father is banished from the castle and he proceeds to use his newfound powers to help rid the rest of the skeletons and zombies from the, from the palace. Uh, he sets out on a long quest to uh, ultimately kill his lich father and find his mother, who he has this preternatural feeling is still alive somewhere out there. Although she, by all means, shouldn't be. He's gone on many adventures, met these fine folks, and all led him here to this tavern. Awesome. So then, as uh, yeah, as we go back to lyric, he's taking a taking a drink. The camera pans over to Lady. Is it Sherilyn? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I accidentally changed. It. Yeah, I think it was like. <clears throat> I think it was Emmeline. Emmeline, yes, of Sherilyn. I said Sherilyn. There Sherilyn. it is. Sherilyn, Um So yeah, so the camera pans to Sherilyn, and she's not and taking. That's her- what I told him, Lyric, to buzz off. <laughs> As Sherilyn lets off her uh, very lovely laughter, uh, pans <clears throat> back to uh, her younger days uh, as a young, young teenage uh, girl wearing. Uh, a habit um, her days as a, a nun in the church um, and her kind of just walking in line uh, through a cathedral uh, singing hymnals <clears throat> and uh, with several others uh, mostly uh, taller than uh, her and built a little different but nonetheless it then pans uh, forward and she is in uh, the back of a wagon and uh, much looser uh, clothing attire, uh, more of a gypsy uh, look with lots of jewelry this time, long, long hair, um, laughing at the top of her lo- uh, lungs and <clears throat> uh, kind of in a, uh, almost a, it seems to be some type of a chase scene where there's 
different items that seem to be kind of falling out of the wagon, but uh, a gentleman driving the wagon who doesn't seem uh, to care as much as Sherilyn uh, stares back at the pursuers, uh, just laughing and uh, shaking her things at him or them. <clears throat> um, and then pans uh, into um, <clears throat> a scene of her finding uh, something, just a glowing energy with Sherilyn looking uh, down at it, and uh, it's it's kind of a humming light, uh, a vibrating light that is being let off, and as uh, Shirley grabs it, uh, the scene flashes bright with uh, prismatic colors uh, that blind, and as the light fades away, the, the same image of Shirley now has uh, different uh, ruins that seem to have formed on her skin and face. Um, that seem to glow and radiate in that same prismatic light. Um, and uh, a quick scene from there then uh, shows her <clears throat> uh, walking uh, in front of uh, Lyric and Envar. Envar's the name, right? Envar. And uh, just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and Lyric and Envar uh, very much trying to tune it out uh, behind her. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so then the camera pans to the little bell on top of the door as it opens and ding, 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 and slowly pans down to reveal a four foot tall tabaxi who's kind of like cheetah type savannah cat coloring uh, he's got kind of like a cloak over himself and uh, not necessarily noble, but like fancy dress or whatever. And funny enough, an eye patch. And he's, as he walks in, he kind of looks, sees that the tables are kind of full, but then kind of like pops open the, what's it called? And kind of stares a little bit with the eye patch open and ah, sees that there's a fourth seat at your table and just makes his way towards your table. Caballeros, caballeros, senorita. My name is Bolby. It is it's so full tonight. Is it okay if I sit with you? Whoa, who are you? My, I just said my name is Bolby. I know, but you surprised me coming up from oh, behind like that. I'm so sorry. Let me buy you a round of drinks and then turns towards the uh, orc that's running the bar. Silge! Oh, yeah! Uh, what are you drinking? Ales? Mead, I believe. Mead! More mead! And tequila! Traeme la tequila! So, let me have a seat with you. Hello, I'm, I'm Boldbite. I'm, I'm from the Binding Wild clan. I'm kind of a familiar here. I haven't seen you here before. I ask who you are. I've never, never seen you here before either. Binding Wild clan. So interesting. Drinks for us. So splendid. I would think you're trying to get me drunk. <laughs> I am trying to get you drunk. Yes, this is true. I love getting you drunk. It's so fun. So, uh, and and who are you, my lady? And he kind of takes her hand and says, like, "It's a pleasure oh, to meet you." Mwah. Such a gentleman. You can call me Sherilyn. Sherilyn, Los Angeles me están cantando. I love her name. It's very pretty. Thank you. And and caballeros, uh, how about you? Who are you? I'm Envar. Envar. Oh, very strong. I like the way this sounds. Lyric. Pleasure. Le and you have the loot right there. Lyric and the, and the loot. 
You must be very musical, my friend. Ah, uh, somewhat. Okay, well. Has a wonderful voice. Ooh, maybe you, maybe after a couple of drinks you'll you'll sing for us. Yes. Ah, uh, perhaps. Any requests? It always oh, takes a lot of drinks, but it's beautiful to listen to. I love this voice. Um, cool. So then, like, you know, time, time passes. Uh, Silge, the orc that's at the tavern, brings round after round. At one point, uh, Bold Bite asks if it's okay if he smokes his pipe around you guys. Is it okay for it to back oh, to please, please do. So he starts smoking his pipe, and he says, Listen, now that we're friends, let me ask you a question. Do you understand what value is? Baby, I am valuable. We know that you are very valuable. You you are priceless, Sherilyn. This is true. But yes. let me show you something. And so he reaches into like his bag, pulls out like a big giant deck of uh, cards. He pulls out like a little piece of candy, like it's wrapped up really bad, and then pulls out a fist-sized ruby and puts all three in front of you. Now, my friends, which one of these three would you say is the most valuable? It more feels like this is a trick question. It kind of is a trick question, yes. I have proficiency with jeweler's kit. Can I use Sure. <laughs> I have proficiency with candy. <laughs> Roll the candy proficiency. <laughs> Candy chip. Uh, what am I adding to it? Uh, was this kind of like a? What would go with that? Like an insight kind of thing to insight to see what kind of gem it is. So you can add that to it. Okay. Mwah, 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 mwah. Uh, it's a twenty, dirty twenty. Uh, yeah, you would realize this ruby is probably worth like a few thousand gold pieces. I know you're talking to one of the most. Famous merchants in all history. That ruby's worth quite a pretty penny if you ask me. <laughs> Excuse me. Easy. But what if I told you, and he holds, picks up the ruby and just tosses it at you, <laughs> that that ruby will only get you a couple thousand gold. But this piece of candy, if you take it to a certain cave and offer it to a giant that has a really bad sweet tooth, you can go into his cavern that he guards and fill up a bag with as much gold as you can from a never-ending chest of gold. The only problem you would have to worry about is picking up the heavy bag after you filled your bag. So wouldn't that make the candy more valuable? Invar just looks to Lyric. In theory, if the uh, story isn't bullshit. I can... I can assure you, he's not. But he opens the candy, pops in his mouth. But now there's no candy. So the only thing that's worth a value... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, do you want it? I'll give it to you, Anvar. Got shots. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just... <laughs> Object permanence isn't, isn't a big thing for me, so I... <laughs> I was worried. Uh, so, so yeah, he's, he's got the candy. So now the deck of cards is the most valuable thing on the table, so... Want to play three dragon ante? The deck of cards is worth a couple thousand. No, it's not. It's the, but after we gave away the ruby and I ate the candy, the only thing left on the table is the deck of cards. So we have the ruby. 
Well, your friend um, Sherilyn is the when, movie. When Envar went to grab his mouth, I put it in my bosoms. Ow, nothing's showing. Yeah, I know. You've I got have, it. I have, a, I have like a long collar. <laughs> it's all cartoony. That's, that's why I put it there. Nothing's showing. <laughs> all right. So then he uh, pulls out the deck of cards. He mixes them up, passes them out, three cards each. And he's like, well, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the rules, but let me go ahead and tell you how it works. Go ahead and look at your cards. And as you all spray out your cards to look at what you've got, uh, all of them, unbeknownst to each other, have the same inky blot spot on it, covering the card. And as you focus on it, you start feeling kind of like hazy and the smell of the smoke is kind of getting to you now. And as you look up, you see Bold Bite just smiling very giantly where you can even see one of his like, now notice that he has like a gold fang. Or is it a canine? Do cats have canines? Uh, you see that like one of them is gold and says, my friends, this is going to be such a fun game as you all black out. If you all would make, (laughs) yeah. Now, if you guys would all make uh, perception checks for me, any dice? Nice. Seven. Seven for me. Seven. Ten. Yay! Feels weird to be rolling single digits on perception. (laughs) (laughs) You wake up, but everything is still dark. But you're aware that you are awake. You are aware that you're bound in a chair. So you kind of have your hands tied behind your back. And with the 10, I think, Envar, you will know that like you're tied to someone else. So your best guess is like you're tied in a chair, tied to your friends. Um, you hear pacing coming up towards you. And one by one, a you realize that You've had a bag over your head, like a black burlap bag that gets pulled off. It's not too bright in the room, but you're kind of like foggy and hazy. You're kind of like shaking off whatever it was, that smoke or whatever it was that kind of knocked you out. Uh, You find yourself in kind of like a cave. Um, Four torch lights. Uh, You do realize that you are bound together, uh, kind of like back to back. Um, and then on the map, you guys will be towards the back here. I don't know if you see me with a swirl thing, but you guys are back there. Um, and yeah, as you notice that it's just, it's just cave. There's just jagged rocks for walls and ceilings. Uh, the, just the chairs for, um, for torch lights and a very finely dressed man walking with the, the bags back towards the front, which would be the bottom of this, and there is a single red wooden door that really doesn't fit the environment. Like, why is there this fancy, nice red wooden door? And then he turns around, and oh, you're all awake. Well, that's good. Um, make me uh, I need you guys to either make an insight or a history check. And then actually, if you're doing history, you can roll with advantage. 11 history. <clears throat> Wait, what was it? 16 history. 16 and... Single digits for me. Single digits? Okay. Um, with a 16, 
uh, right as this guy turns around, you'll see he's kind of like handsome, middle-aged. Um, he is wearing a big giant wizard hat with little bobbles on it and a nice big like phoenix feather off the top. Um, he's got like the high collar. Um, so very obvious a wizard, but with a 16, uh, you know that this is the great wizard Jenkins. Um, and even with your low rolls, um, this is kind of like, like, you know how like somebody like, even if you're not in the sports or certain things and you're like, Hey, that's Michael Jordan. And you're like, I know Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan. You might've never watched a single game, but you probably watched space jam or something. So you're like, that's Michael Jordan. Look, the LeBron of the Wizards. Yes. So it's just like, yeah, with a 16, uh, Lyric would know like the history of what this guy has done and why he's called the great wizard Jenkins. The rest of you are like, it's LeBron. Um, Jenkins! Gentlemen and lady, we've been kidnapped by a celebrity. Oh. What are we tied with? Uh, is it like rope, a chain, or. It is, um, I, I'll say because it is behind your back, it feels like rope, but it doesn't react like rope, if that makes sense. Um, your best guess is that it's probably magic since it's a wizard that's in front of you. Celebrity! Yeah, just trying to, like, <laughs> like, get out. Uh, celebrity. I like that. I haven't been called celebrity. Well, I, you know, I don't actually talk to most people because I am so famous. Thank you for that. How long has Jenkins been around? Um, it feels like forever, but you've probably been around for a lot longer. Okay. But like, just because of his legend, it sounds like this dude has always existed. Okay, I wasn't sure because my father is a wizard at the backstory. I didn't know if I would have studied with him or knew him. Oh. Well, that might have been like maybe like the insight on why you knew exactly who he is. Uh, you probably would have ran into him, maybe heard a lecture that he was doing, uh, different stuff like that. Like, like I guess places where you would run into, you know, conferences and stuff like that. Where wizard, and he's like a guy that's invented new spells and stuff in this world. He's like, well, let me get a good look at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really don't see this working. I'll be honest with the three of you. Uh, but there's only one way to find out for certain. Uh, so the matter at hand, I'm not a fan of this method. I, can, can you guys agree? Like, make sure you make eye contact. I'm not a fan of what's about to happen. Okay? Uh, oh! Yep, same. I, I, I did that same sound inside my head because I'm not... But it is effective. The method is effective. So, and he knocks on the red door behind him. The door opens, and in walks a very, like, noble-like dress Goliath. And, uh, like, this guy is, like, pretty much, like, yeah, high collars, fancy um, dress coat. He's got, like, a three-piece suit underneath. Uh, You can just, this dude looks like money. Behind him uh, walks in... What you could tell is maybe like a half yon tea woman. There's like a Whoa. little bit of scales like around her eyes. Um, but she's got a hood on. She's got leather armor with her arms exposed. Kind of got like a, a Xena vibe to her. Xena warrior princess, but she's got pants on. Uh, and she walks in. Uh, 
followed by another kind of like hunchback guy kind of has like he looks like a human frog like oh <laughs> so they these three people walk in uh the goliath turns to the wizard and says may i sir and he's like oh by all means and he pull, the wizard pulls out a stick and kind of like drops it so it just falls straight down once it hits the ground it turns into um like a coat rack and so the Goliath takes his off his coat, starts rolling up his sleeves, and uh Oh my Envar, if you would roll a perception check with advantage. I have a question for you two, uh party members. Mm-hmm. Would you have uh eighteen with advantage? If I asked you two beforehand, would you have written your names in my in my magic book? Oh, anything for a fan. Invor doesn't know how to write his name, but yeah, I just uh Okay. Makes his mark. That's a yes. It's noted. <clears throat> um with an 18, you realize you know who the Goliath is. He's a guy referred to as the notary who witnesses and makes contracts for uh, the gentleman that's in charge of the gladiators. And though... Oh, see, here I was worried, guys. It's the nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The notary looks at you and says, the nobody. I like that. Yeah, the nobody. And then proceed, and as he proceeds to get, you see that he's got like kind of like the uh, leather, um, uh, what are they called? Holsters that has two daggers in them. He's like, well, and he pulls out a set of gloves, puts his gloves on. He's like, well, this is going to be showing exactly how the nobody fulfills contract obligations. I volunteer first. <sighs> I don't know what you do with those gloves, but I'm in. Right. Well, I'm not here for you. The frog is. And then the frog is like, <laughs> oh, Derek said you were a talker. God, I can't wait to cut your throat out. He's gonna be so happy once he finds out I killed you, Lady Sherilyn. I could have just been the pretty one. And then, yeah, so the frog starts walking towards you. Um, the notary turns to the Yanti woman. Uh, just cry. You wanna make sure you take care of the drake for me so I don't have to kill it and we can get it back and make more money off of it? She's like, yes, I can't wait to get Vinny back. And then they both start walking towards you. Um, as they approach, I need you guys to uh, make an arcana roll for me. So good at those. And if you're proficient with magic, uh, advantage. Eight, nine, Twenty-four. Twenty-four. <laughs> Lyric I'm as <laughs> as they uh, approach you, you feel, and you all kind of feel this a wave kind of like it feels like a crashing of water hits you, and it feels like in the area you're in, you're submerged uh, submerged in water. But Lyric, you will know that you've actually somehow an anti-magic field has been cast where you are all sitting. Which means that the magical rope that was holding you just drops and you're able to stand up. 
But this also means, since it's anti-magic field, all your magical items and all your spells are null and void. So I will need you all to roll initiative for me. And if you can put it in the chat. <laughs> no magic or magic items and one of us is a warlock and one of us is a sorcerer which, which yeah but you also are. all took magical items when I said you can have a rare and two what's it called so yeah but uh, this but this yeah specifically some characters a little <laughs> yeah no specifically yeah what I I cast hide behind Envar <laughs> which, well Envar just got a whole lot weaker <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the orc fella. Who is he going after? Uh, the orc and the yanti are going after um, Envar. The little frog guy is going after Sherilyn, and Lyric is left to his own devices. <laughs> I, I lean to, over to Envar during some. I go, "You want to trade?" I mean, I'm just gonna end up killing them all, so. Alright, I don't think I wouldn't mind being beat up by that one. Look at those forms. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I can ask it if you're his type, you know, we can we can figure something out. Why would you be such a doll for that? Yeah, I'll, I'll ask him in between the punch. Yes, please. Alright, so we're gonna kick off things with Lyric. What are you doing, Lyric? And I don't know, oh. literally all my shit is magic. Um, do I have a sense of the source of the anti-magic field? Did, did, did the wizard do it? Is it the room? With my what did you roll? This? No, you rolled like my arc like crazy. 24? Right? Yeah, okay, so you're going to know it. it is the room. Uh, the placement of the four torches. So that it's, I know it's usually like a square in, I think, the, the casting. But for whatever reason, in this room, it's somehow tied to those four torches, and you are in that rectangle square of where it's being uh, cast. How high up is the torch? Um, <clears throat> not too high up. So, like, maybe if you like ran up and, and jumped to grab it, you could probably just hop up and grab it, knock it down. I would, I would like to attempt to do that. Sure. Five, uh, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. That'll get me there. Uh, give me. See if you get a dexterity fifteen. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you kind of jump up and kind of like nudge it, and it kind of tilts a little bit, uh, but doesn't quite come down. This would be so much easier if I had my spells. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to do? Ah, I help. <laughs> nope. Uh, literally all my actions besides stab a guy with dagger are magical. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll bring us to Cheryl Lynn. I don't feel that weak in here. You turned on the heat. This is not fair. Um, don't mean to put you off, little frog fellow, but back off. And I'll just take off, take up my stick that I have, and I'll just run at them and try to whack them. 
I don't know if they're far away. Uh, no, they're like five feet away from you. Or ten That's feet the, total, uh, I guess. Them at the bottom? Yeah, they're like little uh, goblin guy. Alright, I'm just gonna make a make a stick attack. Cool, go for it. Double double hand the stick and just swat at him. That's probably not gonna work. That's only a twelve. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't hit, but I'll say like Please, kinda, no! I will say you actually like kind of like whack him, but he kinda moves in a way that he wanted to be hit by it. And he's like, Oh no, Miss Sherilyn. Terry's gonna be mad when he finds out that you try to hurt me. I don't do much worse than you. <laughs> Alright, anything else you wanna do on your turn? Uh, no, um, I don't think I have anything else. Uh because yeah, everything else is gonna be magic, magic, magic. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh Envar, it's your turn. Okay. Um I'm going to take a crack at the nobody. Go for it. So first attack. Twenty-eight to hit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For ten damage. Cool, cool, cool. Second attack. Twenty-six to hit. Yes. For. 11 damage, and that's with his old, like, woodcutter's axe. Nice. And then coming across with the... Oh, there's no any actions, bonus actions. Coming across with the Warhammer at... Ooh, 15. 15 just hits. Right on. For another 8 points of damage. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just, boom, he gets hit. And like you see, like yeah, his nice, nice fancy like dress shirt underneath his like vest kind of gets ripped up from uh, the warhammer and or, I mean from the uh, the old wood cutting axe and uh, yeah, so he's all bleeding. Oh god, oh, I messed up your shirt. Sorry about that. Oh, don't you worry. I'm going to charge the boss a little bit more to make up for this. Um, oh well, let's see how far we can rack that tab up for you. Oh well, we'll see if I can get you back to doing what you need to do for work. Um, is that your turn? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so then he's going to uh, pull out those daggers, fancily, tw- you know, twirl them around, and then take some shots at you. Uh, first one is 15. Uh, 15 misses. 15 misses. Uh, he uh, rolls a natural 20 for 26, but he hits you for 10 because one of the dice was a nat 1. <laughs> Um, and that'll be his turn, but now the, uh, Yanti lady next to him, uh, pulls out her short sword. Um, she swings for a nine, that doesn't hit. Um, then swings for eleven and misses. Um, and that is going to be (laughs) their turn. The frog guy goes in for an attack, he pulls out two short swords. Um, Uh, he rolls for 15 on Cheryl Lynn. Without, without the magic in the magic, I guess that is. Okay. And let me roll the second attack. Uh, 21. Yep. With just without the magic, yeah. Yeah, without the magic. Uh, the first sword is 8. And then 9 damage. 
So eight and nine right. damage. And then I need you to roll uh, a constitution saving throw. Fifteen. One five. Okay, you <laughs> you make the save. Um, you will take... Oh, shoot. What does that have? Uh, you'll take... 11 poison damage. All right, top of the turn. Lyric, we're back to you. All right, uh, so it feels like the rectangle formed by the torches is making the anti-magical field? Yes. Okay. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Dash action. 5, 10, 15. So here, do I feel that rush of magic return? Yep, you feel... All right. Yep, you... You're back up. Oh, I feel more like myself again. Uh, I wish I could fly. When I will uh, give myself a 30-foot fly speed as a bonus action. Nice. And uh, then I will fly up 15 feet. Can I just slap the torch off the wall? Uh, give me an athletic. Uh, yeah. All well, right. I'm flying now. I'm like. Yeah, yeah. So you're right up next to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you use your action. Okay. To bone, you use your action what? to dash, right? I use my action to dash, so yeah. So, so I'll just do it next turn. Uh, I'll just say, like, if you want, just do an acro- like a like a dexterity check to see if you slap it. Just like hop it out of the sky. Yeah, just like you're you're floating up. So you just... Five. <laughs> I was gonna give it to you at ten. <laughs> yeah. So you can use yeah, your winners. You can use your at least I'm at least I'm magical again. Uh, with my previous high arcana check. I know magic doesn't work inside it. Does magic, if I cast spells from outside inside, that also doesn't work? No, it'll like fizzle out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Uh, That's my action bonus action. And I'm flying as 15 feet up, I guess, unless the ceiling is lower. uh, No, that's fine. 15. Let's just say 30. Just if you want to go. I only have have 15 feet. Okay. Then yeah, you're good. And 15 is probably more than enough to get to it. Um, Cool. So then that brings us to Cheryl Lynn. Oh, my, my blouse! You gross little frog! I just take the stick overhead and just swing down. That's a natural 20. Oh, yeah. Um, so I have a Dungeon Master uh, question. Do Divine Smites work within this anti-magic field? They no? sure do, because they're technically not magic. All right, I'll... Uh, I'll um... <clears throat> According to the 20-minute video I saw, they said that... I did a lot of research on anti-magic fills for no dumb reason because I was like, I just want to make sure I'm doing this right. Uh, the room itself is kind of like a homebrew thing because I think the spell is only like a 10-foot radius. But when I saw... anti-magical zones have been a thing forever. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure. I'm like, oh, I want to make sure I cover everything. Um, I'll put a fourth level smite in this then. I'll go for it. All right. Um, yeah, I'll pick that staff up overhead and... Uh, <clears throat> A little squawk, and uh, it'll just come down on the bug for 58 points of damage. Damn, okay. Uh, yeah, you hit him, and he kind of like he's rocked by it. He kind of like buckles down to one knee, uh, shakes it off, and then just stands up again, real quick. It's like, ah, and is there anything else you want to do? Derek, you better remember that. (laughs) Walk it off, big boy. Awesome. Uh, before we go to Envar's turn, uh, Lyric, would you make me a perception check? Gladly. Six. Six. Okay. 
Um, you don't see the hand that grabs your foot and tries to pull you down. Um, would you give me a contested uh, athletics check? Someone just jumped up 15 feet in the air and was like, you're not going up there, boy. <laughs> oh, uh, 17. 17. That includes uh, my negative two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because uh, I rolled a three. So you very quickly, like, ah, shake off um, the uh, the feeling of this, like, hand grabbing you. And as you look down, uh, right underneath you, that's way too big. Um, <laughs> It's a giant ghost. Um, no, you see uh, an undead man that, for whatever reason, looks kind of like you. Has yeah. these magical robes and face kind of melted and zombified. And... <sighs> and, uh, yeah, there's a... There's an undead warlock underneath you. And that's its turn. Uh, <laughs> uh, which brings us to Envar. Brittany can't come out to play while we're in this magic field, but uh, he gave me a little gift to give you. And I'll use my bonus action to do gift of the chromatic dragon, chromatic infusion, and the woodcutter's axe will start dripping with acid. Cool, 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 cool. And I'll go ahead and take two attacks with the axe. 22. Oh, yeah. The hit mm-hmm. for nine. And I'll have to roll the acid damage. I'll roll blood post. And second attack, 18. Uh, yes, 18 is it. For another eight. And I need to roll 2d4. How do I just roll vanilla dice in D&D Beyond? Uh, I think there's like a little yeah oh yep okay perfect Mm -hmm. and then d4s I need two of those please and so six acid damage between the two attacks three each and this is to the notary right yeah yeah so you (laughs) the nobody yeah as you start like hacking into him uh, instead of blood coming out it's like liquefied gold just and then you see him kind of like melt a little bit. No, no I want to stay. And he starts melting into a puddle of gold as you've taken him down. And that's... Guys, I got mine. I got the first one. <laughs> you guys got. We're all very yet? proud of you. You guys don't got. You guys don't got yours yet. Is that the big orc? Uh, Goliath. Oh, the Goliath. Yes, Goliath is taken out. Oh no, he was just gold. Um, yeah, so is that your... Does that make you want him more or less? More. Nice. Uh, that's that's the end of your turn. I've always wanted a trophy, husband. (laughs) All right, the Yanti woman, uh, yells and takes, uh, her swings at you. First one's a 16. Miss. Uh, next one is... For 10, miss. Uh, that's her turn. (laughs) Uh, Frogman takes his, uh, swings... First one's a 24. Yeah, that hits. Okay. That's five uh, damage. Next one's an eight. That don't hit. Um, With the one that did hit, uh, another uh, constitution saving throw. Uh, Eight. 
eight. Okay, you take 26 poison damage from that first one. Cool, 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 cool. Um, and back to the top of the round, Lyric. Uh, I'm floating like 10 feet over this thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, your action. Uh, I think I, I don't think I want to mess with the torch if that's oh. my action. I want to fight the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go for it. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, all. Well, I'll say this because I'm, I'm just doing skill checks for the, the torch. If you want to just roll another um, athletics. Just, like, okay, just to see if you can. As an action? Yeah, just see if you can knock it as you're about to fly away. Like, and then. Okay. Yeah. And then get a beat of 10. Did you say acrobatics or? Uh, yes. Uh, acrobatics, 18. 18, you knock it off and the field goes down because it needs all four torches to stay up. So, yep, you've, uh, Envar, you feel that strength come back to you. Um, Cheryl oh, Lynn. Now it's time to play. <laughs> yeah. And then Cheryl Lynn, you feel all your magic, uh, restored as well. And then, yeah, <laughs> as you gasp. And yeah, and you can continue to turn now. Oh, okay, that changes things a lot. Um, I seen the, the the field go down, looking at the magic go go back. I'm going to. Okay, let's see if we can't even this playing field out a little bit. I wish those two were gone. And I'll point. I'll uh, uh, pull a wand from a sheath and uh, swing it at the undead creature, and then towards let's say the uh, Yonti, and I will cast uh, Banishment on the both of them. Ooh, what do they have to roll? Uh, Charisma saving throws. Charisma. Uh, the Deathlock rolls a a 12. Nope. Uh, she rolls... You said Charisma, right? Saving throw. Oh, that's a flat 18. 18 doesn't pass. Really? So they're banished then. <laughs> How, what would that look like then as you banish them away? There is a uh, puff of wind and they like a little tornado just and by the time the tornado uh, vanishes, they're, they're gone. But there's still like a gust in the area. Uh, Yeah, so they're they're gone. The magical field is down. Uh, yeah, the great wizard Jenkins looks at y'all and says, well, I am astonished. I Again, I told you guys I wasn't for this, but I am so glad you guys came out on top. This is good sign. They they will come back if the if the if they're not if they're not unless they're not from this plant. Oh, well, then you have nothing to worry about. They're not coming back. Invar looks crestfallen. Oh, trust me. You're still a frog. Keep keep up your hopes. If you're looking to fight things, this was just a proving room. See if you were worthy to go on to the next room. Well, it was I nice. Just to, to, I just wanted to hit her real hard. Well, there's plenty to hit. So, uh, good luck. Uh, this works out well. I look forward to working with you all. All right, nice meeting you guys. Turns around, opens up the red door. As he opens it up from your guys' perspective, you can see wherever this place is at, it's like a scene from like a painting just 
green fields that seem like they never end. There's a quaint little cabin with a little pond next to it. Wildflowers growing in patches. Sky is like the most beautiful blue you've ever seen with clouds. So big and puffy, it looks like you can literally reach up and touch the clouds. He walks maybe a few steps and the door slams shut. What do you guys want to do? Wait, Lyric, can you bring Froggy Boy back? I think he's cold. No. Oh, man. I'm a little beat up, boys. Surely, seen some better days. <laughs> it's like Jimmy Fallon playing D and D. Could take a rest and hide my ring. It's an option. A what? Inside, inside. We've been traveling together for a while, so you know that there is an extra dimensional space inside my ring that I can pull all of you into, in which oh, we can take no. a short rest for in ten minutes instead of an hour. Oh, that sounds splendid to me. Okay, everybody hops in the ring. Oh, good, my favorite pillow's still here. It looks like a it looks like a hookah bar in here. Nice. It's, it's, it's like a big circle. It's like a circular room, like twenty foot. Uh, diameter, I believe. Um, I hop in the uh, bean with just, bag with just like beanbag chairs all over, yeah. and, a, and, a little, and a little table in the center with a with a uh, a glass a glass hookah. Mama hops in her regular beanbag. Cool. Anything you guys want to do while in the ring, resting for ten minutes? Yeah, I suppose I take the moment to like, uh, hey, Vinny, Vinny, come out. And then he and kind of just has like big Labrador energy for a dragon. I don't know. Unless you have another energy you want Vinny to have. No, yeah, Vinny's very dog-like. Yeah, and he kind of moseys on. jet black with like these like acid green accents all over him. Once we get Um, inside the ring, I'll go ahead and cast create food and water. So we have a a meal to eat before we take our short rest. (laughs) Nice. I find I find that a normal <clears throat> normal downtime activity is Sherilyn asking Envar really deep questions. Hey Envar. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, how do you even know we really You know? You ever thought about that before, Envar? Oh, your mic cut off at the end of your question, so I didn't hear it, so I said I said how do you even how do we even know we exist? You know? Oh, that's easy. I walk over and I just punch Sherilyn across the face. Ooh. That's one way to do it, I guess. I mean, you felt it, right? I sure did. I'm yeah, alive, too, baby. So, obviously, judge. What a good answer. You're always so insightful. These big, large questions of the universe. Lyric, why would you smart like Envar? I am, I just don't like to show off. Oh, fair, so modest. His clothing is far from modest. <laughs> it's ext- <That's> extremely <laughs> extravagant. <laughs> Said with a lot of sarcasm, I just kind of look over everything. <laughs> 
Nice. I'm going to go wrestle with Vinny. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, so Have then you, you take your short rest, um, pop out the ring. You're still in that same room with the red door. Uh, what are you all doing next? Uh, best we just follow him, leaving us wanting for more. Ooh. Pretty red door. Head out the red door. Agree, let's go. As you guys open the red door, uh, you don't see the beautiful field and yeah. cottage. Instead, you see a... Uh, how do I want to say this? Because um, I wrote it down because I was like, I want to use fancy words. <laughs> so instead of seeing that, you see gold. You see gems. You see fancy paintings and art and silver and platinum and treasure chests and marble and marble statues and giant precious stones all piled on each other in what can only be described as foothills or tiny mountains they are multi there are multicolored orbs floating throughout uh this ginormous room that seems almost endless ahead of you um you look up and they only illuminate so far because this thing is so giant that it just goes dark past the lights. And there is just treasure on top of treasure on top of treasure ahead <laughs> uh, uh, of you. So um, what would y'all want to do as you see this before you? What a treasure trove! Where in the hells are we? Who cares? I care a little bit. He said that guy was like a famous wizard is or something of the sort, right? Close the door. Same. Still a treasure. Don't do that. What if it went away? Well, it was a test. Oh, bother. Yeah. Well, ladies first. <laughs> All right, give me give me a marching order then. Take it, Lady Sherilyn is in front. Um, I'm gonna uh, use. Uh, I'm gonna use a. Uh, I think it's just a bonus action uh, to convert one of my sorcery points into an essence rune. So as uh, Lady Sherilyn moves forward on her forehead, uh, a prismatic ruin uh, takes uh, form and kind of glows a little bit. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, who wants to follow behind Lady Sherilyn? Uh, I can go next. Could I do a ritual cast of Detect Magic? For sure. Just like, just like scanning. Yeah. Uh, so as you do that, there are things that kind of like pop out, kind of like shimmer in the different piles of things. Like maybe kind of like minor magical items or some other stuff that's like a little bit fancier um, if you want to go closer and look at it. Uh, but nothing nothing too extravagant, you know, other than it being like some kind of like, it must have been taken from somebody rich or stolen from someplace. Um, but for whatever reason, you are getting like a like a vibe of magic, like strong magic, like well ahead of you, like straightforward. In the direction you guys are going in, anyways. Okay. 
Oh, uh, if you used uh, hit dice to recover hit points while in the ring, uh, you get four more hit points. Nice. Oh. That temporary or just like no regular? Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Anything you guys want to do as you're marching forward? Um, it just looks almost like endless piles of gold and riches and artworks. There's like a painting of a dragonborn, kind of like Napoleon. Uh, a marble statue of uh, a tiefling that actually looks kind of like Rubenesque and is kind of like in the pose with just, Toga. I'll just out loud. Um, <clears throat> everything is out loud with this character when we're talking about. Um, say, check for some magical traps. Uh, and I'm going to use that uh, ruin essence to use the manifest inscriptions. Uh, I can reveal hidden glyphs and enchantments uh, that surround me by using a charge. Uh, so any magical marks, ruins, wards, glyphs within 15 feet of me reveal themselves and glow uh, for a brief time. As we kind of move forward, I'll do that. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'll say, like, there might be certain items that have kind of like a glow to it. Um, like, you look out, and there is, like, kind of like another, like, marble statue that kind of has, like, a little glimmer to it. There's a, a treasure chest, like, maybe, like, two hills over. It's Anora. Um, two, yeah, two hills over. That this little, this uh, treasure chest is kind of glowing, but everything else is just gold and platinum and diamonds and rubies that you're kind of like going over like sand dunes almost this is a ridiculous amount of money right I'd say this is like collapse a kingdom economy money oh yes baby okay so as you're more than I can count (laughs) If you have this much money, do you really have this much money? If you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. I rarely know what she's talking about. We're gonna take a look, Cease. I'm a, uh, Anora's, um, these, uh, magical wings just kind of burst off, uh, backside. And Anora's going to fly uh, up above it and kind of just keep a bird's eye view on things. Sounds good. <clears throat> okay, so as you're heading out, you're flying ahead. Uh, I don't know. I'll say you, you travel for a good t- good while, and since you're up a up ahead of it or above everybody, you'll see that it looks like everything culminates in piles to this like center circle just ahead um and as you get closer the more details you see is kind of like it almost seems like there's like a border where like the the gold and everything just kind of stops and then it's kind of like you're seeing that the the, what you're actually stepping on would have been like kind of like the cave that you were in like like the way that vibe felt of like what the floor was like like stone and dirt but then it's only like that for a little bit of the radius as in the very center is kind of like this really beautiful, like grassy area 
that has like trees and grass and a little bit of flowers. Um, but then there's also pillars that you see. Um, five to be exact. One on the north, one on the south, uh, east, west, and one in the center. And you can see that there's kind of like a Beauty and the Beast type uh, bell glass jars over it with items inside as you approach. But this is you seeing it from above as you move forward. I'll direct us in a totally different location. Cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Oh, there's an oddity over there. Mines of gold and a field of green. This way, boys. So you I'll just direct everyone that yeah, way. Yeah. So you head on over. Um, you also notice that as you get closer and probably even into the area, that not too far from that is what would be an exit, like this giant, like cave opening with like these giant steps that lead up. Um, you can't really see light, but you know that like that would be the exit to get out. Um, what would you Jake? That gift, that gift, just for you. Oh, is this for me? Let me see. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Love it. Cool. So then you you guys arrive to this area. What would you like to do? How tall are the pedestals? Um, I would say how tall is Envar again? Uh, he's like six three. Um, yeah. So I say would probably come up to like maybe his. I don't want to say midsection, but like it's it's like oh, kind of like they're not like they're not like tall. Like, no, they're kind of like you know like the Greek, the Greek pillars that would have like the bust on top of it. Yeah. So okay. you can kind of walk up and you can kind of like if you wanted you could walk up and just pick up the glass and see what the items are. You can also see the items through the glass. And each one of the pillars has something in it. I will renew my ritual detect magic. Um, Unless something will interrupt me in ten minutes. Nope. Um, every single one of these things lights up stronger than you've ever sensed anything light up before. This is very powerful concentration of arcane might. Yes, and especially the center one. The center one uh, is almost so powerful, like it hurts for you to kind of look at. Especially the center one. It's so powerful, it almost hurts. Love it. Love it. Should we touch it? I mean, it's, I'll touch it if you guys want me to. I mean, it's all just sitting here to be touched, you know? Just sitting. All this gold is an exit over there, and then this grass field that says, Touch me! I'm far touch I feel like I, I feel like you say touch me a lot. You know, I have a few words I like to use. That one just rolls off the tongue from Touch me. Touch it. You know? Touch. Touch. Okay, okay. What are we doing, y'all? Envar, <laughs> go touch it. We have no idea where we are. Maybe we should... Uh, I mean, I can touch it. can get out. Anybody want to give me... Uh... Arcana checks with advantage. Yeah, I, I will. I will investigate the arcanas. Natural twenty for a total of nineteen. I can't spell arcana. <laughs> uh, twenty-three, I believe. Twenty-three. Cool. No. Oh, 
Yes, 23. 23. All right. Uh, between both of your knowledges of like being a merchant and knowing what's something that you can sell for a lot, a lot of money, and then also arc- your arcana and being a warlock for so long and uh, knowing about magical items, the north uh, glass jar uh, has a folded, folded like robe that is a brilliant white with gold embroidered on it with uh, symbols etched on it um, and the sign of the legendary Arch Magi. This is the robe of the Arch Magi. On the west is a beautiful adorned and carved ram's horn made from iron. The carvings tell the story of the legendary warriors whose spirits are drawn by the call of the horn. This is the iron horn of Valhalla. On the east side is a ring that's kind of just floating there inside of the jar. Uh, a gold ring with a circular face that has four reddish to orangish colored gems at the top, bottom, left, and right, kind of mirroring uh, the circular uh, version that it's in, uh, the grass area. Uh, but at the center, there are three diamonds like stones. Um, and the three points kind of form like a triangle. This is the ring of three wishes. And at the south, uh, it looks like there's nothing there, but it's glowing. Um, and that's because it's the cloak of invisibility. <laughs> and at the very center is a undead hand that's just floating. And in its index and thumb is an eyeball that you swear, no matter which angle you, all of you look at, is staring at you. Spencer is nervous. Who would keep that trash here? Yeah, it's looking at me. Is there anyone, any one of them that you want to get closer to or inspect or? You think this is a puzzle, boys? I don't know, but some of this has to belong to someone. Assumably all of it does. Give me a perception check after you say that. Eight. Eight. Okay. You hear a voice that says, Very well observed, darling. Yes, this does belong to somebody. And it's a voice that you've never heard before. But for every reason, you're like, Yeah, I, I, it, it doesn't like startle you. It's like you know this person. It's a calming, reassuring voice. Okay, uh, we are being listened to. Did everyone else hear that? Uh, no, they did not. Just you. Good. Hear what? Hear what? This is, this is very good. <laughs> speaking right now? Uh, you just hear kind of like a sweet little giggle, like an innocent, like, giggle. And just says, well, we'll see how you do. You'll get to meet me soon enough. Um, what was it that you just said, uh, Russell? Like you said something about a voice, or yeah, I forgot what I said too. Um, anyways, I'm like... speaking. I'm speaking silly. Uh, okay, so then you say that I'm speaking silly, and he's like, "No, no, no, Miss Sherilyn, he's talking about my voice." Uh, give me, oh. give me a uh, perception check as well. Oh. Eleven. Eleven. Um, you see. I'm gonna say you guys are closer to the the, the middle, 
But over on the east side, next to the three ring or through the ring of three um, wishes, uh, you kind of see a woman, like a female um, Githyanki, kind of like walk behind the pillar, kind of comes out behind a tree, says he's. He's hearing me speak to you and goes behind the pillar. But then kind of like when you're expecting her to come out the other side of the pillar, she nothing happens. And she's a, uh, yeah, get the Yankee woman with like a big, like kind of like musketeer hat and a uh, feather in her, in her um, hat, kind of like a uh, black vest, uh, uh, pirate, you know, the big baggy pirate shirts with the big baggy arms. And she looks, she looks like a sea captain, but then all of a sudden you just see her disappear behind the thing. And only Lady Cheryl Lynn sees this. I've got yeah. my wand out and just kind of... Invar is going to climb up on Vinny as a mount. I'm going to take my wand of secrets out. Uh, the <clears throat> little ruin will grow or glow on uh, my hand as I uh, point it in the direction that she was in. I'm going to use the Wanda secret. It will, uh... Secret door or trap within 30 feet of me. Um, yeah, no. Just a magic item in front of you. No traps, no doors. Real magic. Envar, uh, give me, uh, give me a perception check for you and for Vinny. 11 for Envar... 15 for Vinny. Okay, um... Do you know where you would be at on this map if you want to just place yourself on there? So, Vinny carries you to that west um, pillar and kind of like, you know, the dog like runs up and is happy and you see as the same uh, Githyanki lady is like, well, isn't he wonderful? And kind of bets, bends down and starts petting him and, and stuff like that. What a beautiful drake you have in VAR. And then you and just... he seems like cool with it? Yeah. you And it's like this weird thing like you know you've never seen this person but you're like wow like thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just something about this person you're like it's not familiar but it is. Vinny we good with this? And then you're like yeah yeah. <laughs> and like you know like super happy and like kind of like leaning into her hands is She's petting him. And then kind of as fast as that happened, she's gone. And then Vinny kind of like takes you back to where you were at. Am I hallucinating? Yes, not. Is yeah. there some kind of point to all this? We were brought here by a wizard celebrity. Drinkers? You want to just, just take one of these things? We'll do it. I've been avoiding robbing you. But if uh if these things are being gifted, I would I would gladly take them. There is no response. But you're kind of left with a couple of options. You can just try to head out towards the cave, or if there's anything you want to take. I think Vinny and I are pretty good, like, personally. I don't like... The North was the rove of the Archmagi? Yes. I'll head over to that one and do a a scan over not just the robe itself, but like its container, and I'm looking for any magical traps or triggers that I wouldn't necessarily see. Gotcha. Nope. The only thing kind of magical about it is that 
the magic that's making it kind of like float and look pristine. It's kind of more of like a, uh, I guess like like the magical equivalent of like somebody putting like you know in a museum and making it look even prettier than it actually is. But there's no trap. It's not Doctor Strange's cloak just it, floating. Yeah, in just kind of floating in there, yeah. just nicely folded. But no, yeah, no magical traps or anything. It's like all you have to do is just open up the, pick up the bottle like that, and you can have it. Um, I'm going to take this not maliciously, and if that is uh, not welcome, I will gladly put it back. Mm, nothing. You know, these are probably our rewards for the last test. For being kidnapped? No, he said he doesn't like that part. You're being tested, chaps, and, uh, and now these are all like, we can pick something in this room. You know, some monies. It's just the first thing you grab, like a grab bag situation, you know? But you only take one through the door. Well, if you're picking something for yourselves, I uh, would avoid the wishes, those backfire. Yeah, and as you put it on, if you want to add the robe of the Arch Magi to your list, it's yours now. I've got place on one of my fingers for some more rings. I'm going to head over to the ring. Cool. Do you want to go for it, grab it? I said, I thank you! I don't have an attunement slot free for this, and also I have to, would have to take an hour to attune to it. Since this is a one-shot, just go for it. Stuff. We'll just say that time works different down here. If you want to swap out one of your items, go for it. Okay. What was the ring? Dunzo. The ring of uh, three wishes. So you can go ahead and add oh. that to your list, too, if you want to grab it. I just did it because it was a ring. This will come in handy. Anything you would like, Envar, while you're still here? No, I got Vinny. Vinny's all I need. Nice. Well, at least one of us will live. Cool. Alright, anything else y'all want to do before you head out the cave? Dude, this thing has some heft to it. I saw the exit. Like a little ways over there. I think we just go there with our prize. And now you don't want anything. Got everything I need. Just grab some of those gold coins and can buy like a lot of food with it, probably. Or maybe a shiny new eye patch. You'd look good with like a silver eye patch. I reflective when people look at you and it just shines the light right back at them. Cool. Alright, so wanna give me the marching order for you guys heading out? Can we can we both ride, Vinny? Is that an option? Uh, he's only medium. Okay. Do uh, you want to go first? Me riding on top of any? Yeah. I'll yeah, I can do that. And then Charlene's flying. I take one of my fake rings off because this thing's so fat. I just throw it into the pile and make room for this ring. Cool. All right, so you guys head out. Uh, so the marching order is Envar and Vinny, uh, Sherilyn flying, and then... Uh, Larrick in the back, walking. Cool. So For now. For now. So, yeah, so you guys start heading towards the cave opening. Uh, yeah, Vinny, you guys head back into the gold. Um, Sherilyn, you're flying. But the second that Lyric touches the gra- outside of the grass area, the gold starts rumbling and shaking. And then you hear a different voice. Whoa. Lamp. You hear a, a masculine voice and saying, 
Oh, gods. Why does she keep sending people? It's mine now. I don't care. Ah! And that's that like ah starts the everything starts rumbling more and then you can see in piles of gold are starting to shift towards one another. There's a like just like kind of connecting together as uh you guys start seeing uh before you um a golden kind of like exoskeleton of a dragon as it's like kind of like being connected and uh as this voice guys ah more uh it kind of like the air and the wind from the like the mouth of this like exoskeletal golden dragon kind of blows you guys back onto the grass area um so if you guys want to kind of just put yourself wherever you want you think you would have landed as you were pushed back by this kind of wind force and then the uh this yeah exoskeleton dragon um starts walking closer to you guys and as it gets like right by the um the grass it kind of like and bursts into flame and kind of everything else where a dragon would be is fire so like there's fire wings and like looks like fire muscles on it i'm i'm sorry i uh, did not mean uh to insult you i can I, I said when I grabbed it, I will gladly put it back. This is yours, I assume? You, when were you speaking to me? All I know is the second you stepped out of that circle, you're wearing what belongs to me. Ozu, the jealous one. I can only assume Finley sent you. I don't know a Finley. Well, yes, Finley. Finley sent us. So we're okay. This is all Finley sent you. Oh, Finley. So you're servants of her, huh? Of course she would send somebody to steal this back. I am no friend of Finley, and if you are friends of her, then you are nothing more than meals. I don't know. We're not friends. We're like frenemies, you know? The, the type that, like, isn't friends. Roll initiative. <laughs> Guess we chose the wrong prizes, Lyric. <laughs> 19. 19. Okay. 14 team. 14 13 13 okay I have a question for you short DM did the dragon roll higher than me uh let's see you rolled what 13 13 uh yeah they rolled ahead of you um I activate my ring of stolen alacrity ooh what is that uh the dragon needs to make a charisma Thir- uh, a DC 13 charisma saving throw or swap places with me in initiative. Oh, okay. It'll swap initiative with you. Uh, that was a 14, which is uh, the same as Sherilyn. So I guess you guys are going to have to see who goes first by decks, right? Uh, yeah, typically. Oh, baby, I don't move that fast. I've got a 16 dexterity, so I guess that's... Cool. Um, yeah, so... I'll just say that this exoskeleton dragon stands here, and Envar, you're first. Alright, I'm going to go action and cast Longstrider on myself. Cool, 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 cool. And bonus action, I'm going to cast a Charladun Stride 
And so Long Strider gives me 10 feet of extra movement and the stride gives me 20 feet of extra movement. Stride is concentration. So I've got 30 feet of extra movement for the next minute as I hold concentration. Cool. So I'm just a speedy boy. And that's bonus action action. Uh, That'll be it. Cool, cool. And then uh, Lyric, you're up next. Uh, okay. Um, I'm gonna start by saying I wish I could fly, and a little gust will uh, blow up my uh, my little cape and all my uh, all my dangling clothing, and I'll just uh, fly thirty feet straight up. Uh, and then I'm going to Eldritch Blast the dragon. Cool. Wow, that attack bonus is higher than it was before. Yes, so two beams, Eldritch Blast. Go for it. First one's a 21. Uh, that hits. Second one is higher than that, but not a crit. Cool, cool. Uh, D10. Never use D10s. Where are they? <laughs> Uh, first one is 12 points of force damage. Yeah. And I push him 10 feet back. Uh, I think that's 10 feet. <laughs> There's no saving throw. <laughs> Additionally, there is no limit on how many number of times per turn I can do that. So the second one is nine more points of force damage, and I push him 10 more feet back. Yeah, and it's just kind of like clawing and leaving this like fire in the, in the rakes of the, the claws. Uh, so Lyric floats straight up in the air, produces his wand, and, and makes two swipes with it. And these two, like, bullets of of concentrated wind just launch into the dragon uh, and carry with them a strong gust following. Nice, yeah. And so as it hits, you see, like, kind of, like, the fire blowing in the wind and kind of going out a little bit as it kind of, like, once it steadies itself, it kind of reunites and uh, glows a little bit brighter and then fades back to the normal intensity was at. Um, anything else? Nope, that's action, bonus action, and I moved 30 feet in the air, so I'm done. Noise. Sherilyn! Oh boy, well this is getting hairy. I'm out of here. I... <laughs> bunch of ruins kind of glow on uh, Sherilyn. You can kind of see the ruins kind of glow through uh, the kind of gown dress she's wearing. Uh, and then Sherilyn just disappears uh, as I cast greater invisibility on myself. And then I will move just a smidgens. Let's see. Five, ten, thirty. Uh, I'll move to there. Uh, and then I will use a... Make sure I have these correctly written down. <clears throat> going to... I'm using uh, bonus action to quicken... Or I'm using two sorcery points to quicken spell Bless on... Um, <clears throat> I can do it on three, so I can do it on Vinny, um, Lyric, and... What's this character's name? Really quick. Don't Lyric. say it. I'm going to get it. Ervar. Envar. Uh, so Bless. So D4 for all of you. Um, hold up. Russell's not very smart. That's two concentration spells. <clears throat> that ain't happening, bros. That ain't happening, bros. 
Man, I chose all concentration spells. Uh, I do the same thing to shoot a uh, firebolt at the dragon. Cool. Go for it. 19 to hit. Uh, it's advantage because I'm invisible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but a 19 hits. So long as you want to try for that crit. Six points of fire damage. Noise. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. That's cool, my cool. turn. I got, I got something else. <laughs> Uh, but I will use, uh, because I use two sorcery points, two of my ruins, uh, even though I'm invisible, so you can't see it. Uh, I know they're glowing. Gotcha. Um, In our hearts and hearts, we know they're glowing. They're glowing, yeah. <laughs> um, so cool, that leaves it to this now um, hollow dragon type entity as it moves back to where it was, um, using its movement. And I'm going to need you guys all to make uh, DC 18 dexterity saves. Oh, Is this man. a magical effect? Uh, no, it's its breath. <clears throat> okay. Well, there goes invisibility real quick, boys. <laughs> Nat 1 for 7 total. Oof. That's 17 total. Okay. I'm pretty sure I fail. I got an 8. I'm just seeing if there's things I can add to it, but I don't Okay, you guys all take 61 uh, fire damage from as this thing just erupts Sweet. into a... I do not save. I'm no longer invisible. So, Invar <laughs> is going to use his reaction to channel the chromatic dragon into reactive resistance to gain resistance to fire damage. Nice. So, like, scales start to appear... All, all along his body. Yeah, so as like the fire looks like it's burning him, instead of like consuming the flesh, it's turning it into scales. Yeah. Very cool. So what was total damage? Uh, total was sixty-one. So what's that half? Okay. So resistant. Yeah. Yeah. As this like fire is erupting, he's like, nobody steals from Ozu. And we go back to the top of the turn. So that's Envar. All right. Uh. We'll just swing away. Let's go. So, uh, attack with the battle axe. Ooh, does 16 hit? 16 does not hit. Figured, figured. How about a 30? A 30 will be a big slappy, yes. For 14, and I'll use uh, Vinny's reaction to add a D6 acid to that. Let's go, Vinny! Vinny gets to spit mad fire so uh, a 6 on top of the 14 so for 20 total for the first attack cool and then bonus action my offhand with the warhammer for 23 to hit at 13 damage cool cool cool, cool. that's action action bonus action yep um lyric uh, I'm gonna fly 15 feet up and 15 feet over. Is that here? No. Map to grid, please. Let's do 20 feet up and 10 feet over. Uh, and then I will... Didn't expect to have three quarters of my health removed in one turn. Uh, I was actually surprised by that too. I'm like, oh, it went that high? Okay. gonna hex him. Ooh. Concentrating on hex. Uh, I will say 
wisdom. Uh, so that reduces his perception chances to find uh, Cheryl. Oh, no, you're already visible again, aren't you? <laughs> Um, we'll we'll say strength in case he tries to do any uh, grappling or anything Uh, and then two more Eldritch Blasts on his way let's go 25 25 hits and another 25 they both hit 25 this die plus these two dice that's a d10 it's so small I can't tell 24 points of force damage, and I push him 20 feet back again. All right. Oh, okay. oh I need to add uh, 2d6 of necrotic to that. Yeah, he slides back. Just ripping Seven up the more. grass now. Seven more necrotic. Seven more necrotic, cool. Um, yeah, you see as like any of you hit him back, now chunks of the gold is like falling off of it landing there in the grass area. The grass area is kind of like got claw rake marks in it. Those that little bit of grass now starting to catch on fire a little bit. Um yeah and you got you gotta push back. Anything else? Action, bonus action, movement, I'm done. Cool. Cheryl in <coughs> Well Hey, I'm back you know, I really wish this dragon would just drown in its own gold. No, unknowing <laughs> one charge of the wish ring. Nice. So that's the wish you make. I wish uh-huh. it would drown in its own gold. And then your warlock friends say the problem with wishes is that they always seem to backfire. Find out. Yeah. So roll, roll me a d20. Sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, you see, as you make this wish, the gold starts melting, and kind of like the way it looked when uh, Envar killed the Goliath, and he just started melting. You see that the flames go out, and now there is a giant puddle of liquid gold where um, the dragon was at. Oh, I gotta get away from this dragon now. I just start like. Because I'm not looking in the same direction as I said that. And I just start running this way. I'm going to bonus action cast greater invisibility on myself again by... Cool, cool, cool. I will say for, like, the sake of things right now, we're out of initiative. What do you guys want to do as there's now just a pile of liquid gold where this dragon was? I was really hoping to hit it a few more times. Hear a voice out of nowhere. Wait, where'd it go? Derek slowly floats to the ground. He doesn't remove his eyes from the the <clears throat> melted gold or remove his wand from pointing at it. Um, did we win? Are we still in danger? Unclear. Uh, everybody give me perception with advantage. That's a d12, not a d20. I rolled a two and a one. So two. Oof, with advantage. Ha ha. Invar has the perception now. 18. <laughs> nice. 12. So 18 and 12. Okay, so with 18. Well, let me say this. With 12, you hear um, lyric. But with 18, you hear and see. Um, kind of standing next to that puddle is this, like, Githyanki woman looking down at it. And she's like. That was impressive. And she says, I, I'm really starting to like you. 
And in the moment, you all blink. And in that second that you open your eyes, you're looking at your cards. And you all have a really good hand for three dragon ante. As Boldbite says, I'm sorry, my friends, where did you just go? I was explaining the rules and you all seem to nod off. Uh, look into space. I'm sorry, Guys, this game is a, boring. What's, what's a stroke? I think I just had one. Oh no, it's, no, your face, usually when you have a stroke, the side of your face kind of droops. No, you, you look like you just kind of daydreamed and I, I kind of pride myself in being a, you know, entertaining person. Anyways. Oh, uh, what a trick. What did you put on these cards? I, it's just a game of cards. Um, Vinny's not here, right? Uh, I would say like Vinny's probably like right next to you, kind of like a lap dog style, like just nuzzled next to you, kind of like your dog. Is <laughs> a chipper down there? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Well, I'm real, fucking, I'm real fucking confused, guys." Okay. Well, anyways, while you were gone, my um, my friend joined us. She's getting you all more drinks, and as you look towards the bar, coming towards you with more mead is a githyanki woman with a large black hat and pirate garb she sets it down she's like well my darlings what how would you like to join my crew as she leans in and smiles and you notice uh lyric that you're wearing a different robe and Sherilyn, you notice that there's a different ring on your finger and then she just smiles wide and says, Things are going to get a lot more wild than what you've just experienced. Drink up. Drink up, my dearies. Drink up. And with that, the screen fades to black and credits roll. And as the credits roll, everything kind of stops and says, Do you want to subscribe to Roll for Inspiration? And that's our game. As the credits are rolling, you hear, Enva, are you sure we really exist? And then just the... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, thank you very much for being a part of my podcast and rolling these very interesting characters that I, uh, I, I think y'all did really great uh, talking about how you build characters, seeing that in action... With my little experiment of like, here's something that's just being thrown at you. How would you use your same style of uh, creation? So I appreciate y'all. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? No, thanks, Joe. No, really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Time. Well, thank I like you. Rolling with everything. <laughs> I like Lyric's voice a lot. Uh, Lyric is a warlock of a of a air genie, so I try to use way more breath than I need in any particular sentence. Mm, nice, it was really nice. It was so, it was so subtle uh, that I really liked it. I like how you said you hadn't come up with a voice yet, and it seemed like you did. <laughs> like that was already planned. I decided to use a lot of breath, but I didn't decide on like an accent or anything. <laughs> it's it still just, cool. Like, just gonna use as much breath as possible <laughs> for nice. per sentence. The spell casting is cool because like every time it was like I wish that. Could it not though? G- <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that seemed so like cool. the obvious choice for, for flavor for a genie packed warlock. <laughs> well, before we talk more, I just want to say thank you for people listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. 
and uh yeah well we're gonna stick around and chat we're gonna stick around and talk yeah 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 i'm just gonna i'm just gonna start fading it out now so y'all can turn off the podcast or go listen to something okay bye guys bye (laughs) anything we want they won't be listening anymore well they're they're still listening to that i haven't stopped it yet so oh okay go make about now sausage okay now yeah, we're going to go make some... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that at the end of the podcast. Jake Lent Hot. Yes, sir.